welcome to the Meaning of Home podcast, where we discuss the complexities and connections between home and homelessness. I'm your host, Sarah Christou, and as always, with me is the podcast's producer, Dave Angel. We are doctoral researchers at Loughborough University, part of the Harnessing Opportunities for Meaningful Environments Centre for Doctoral Training, for short, the Home CDT. We are a cohort of seven PhD projects approaching concepts of home and homelessness through a creative lens to develop impactful new research. Every month, we'll bring a new episode with a range of guests to provide commentary and conversation on different themes. In this episode, our theme is empathy, where we'll be discussing the role storytelling plays in better understanding homelessness narratives. Let's get started. Today, we are delighted to be joined by Peter Garden, director of This Great Adventure, and Holly Turpin, a fellow doctoral researcher in the Home CDT. Since 2015, Peter has been an industry partner with Loughborough University London, working with students on the MA Collaborative Projects module and dissertations. In 2018, Peter co-founded This Great Adventure, combining interactive storytelling with creative technologies. Peter's focus includes arts and cultural storytelling, as well as integrating physical and mental health with learning and play. Holly has coordinated community cinema initiatives for Animate Projects and with national and regional partners at Cinema for All. In 2019, she completed an MA in Arts, Enterprise and Development at the University of Warwick. Holly is now undertaking a PhD at Loughborough University, part of the Home CDT, focusing on empathetic and immersive digital storytelling and how this can be co-created to communicate the loss of home. Holly, it may be useful for our listeners who are unfamiliar with some of these terminologies of digital storytelling, immersive media, um, what what these are and kind of a broader understanding, if we could start there. Yeah, so digital storytelling to start off with. So digital storytelling has a, a very general meaning, which is stories conveyed digitally. So whether that be through films or through the use of social media is another way of digital storytelling or storytelling using digital means. However, within academia and also within certain circles, digital storytelling can have quite a specific meaning of a video of about two to three minutes long with a voiceover and a collection of images or other assets within the story. In my research, for instance, I will be taking that idea and building upon it with immersive media. That leads me on to immersive media. So immersive media tends to refer to um, immersive technologies such as virtual reality, augmented reality and 360 degree filming. Virtual reality being when you step into a virtual environment by either putting on a headset or um, being you know, immersed in a space and then augmented reality is augmenting your surroundings through a device so what that typically means is and actually the example people tend to use when they talk about augmented reality is instagram and snapchat filters that's augmented reality because you're augmenting the image but also pokemon go, go is a very you know large example of augmented reality which is taking this the location and you know augmenting it through a device thank you so much 
Peter, if I could come to you first, could you tell us a bit more about this great adventure, why it was established and how do the projects relate to the concepts of home and homelessness? Hi there. Uh, yeah, sure thing. So this great adventure is, I suppose, an adaptive uh, creative company based in um, Oxford. Uh, we were founded in 2021, but we kind of build on about 30 years of international practice working in heritage interpretation and kind of spatial storytelling, I suppose. Um, and we do a lot of different types of projects. Storytelling absolutely sits at the core of that. And we kind of use uh, a narrative methodology, so narrative practice, as well as narrative being the products often of, of what we actually create. Um, and I mean, we've done some projects which are kind of directly about home. Um, there was a project called Home, uh, for example, which was meeting and speaking with people in Beirut about what the concept of home means for them. Um, and also running that with with uh, student groups in the UK as well. Um, and that was a kind of audiovisual portraiture type experience. Um, essentially, because of the work in cultural and heritage sector, um, in some way, all of the projects that we work on are about home in the sense that people are talking about the places where they live or the places where they've been forced to leave, um, the relationship between what that place has and the culture that exists there or the particular expressions of how people think and feel and act towards one another. Um, and I suppose when you get into it, you start unpacking this idea of what home is, then it it starts to kind of raise more questions than than it answers a lot of the time. Um, and for us, this nuance and complexity, I suppose, is something that's best engaged with and communicated through story form. Thank you. I think that's really interesting and makes me think of the idea that people's home is also an entrance into their biographies, essentially. It, uh, home is a lens on what a person's life is in terms of the, the meaning making, the place making. And um, you used a, an interesting uh, terminology there of spatial storytelling as well. And I think of how there's stories are communicated in different ways verbal non-verbal textual non-textual visual um and holly if i could bring you in on this the focus of your research and use of digital storytelling could you tell us why you're using that method and and um this element of co-creation uh in storytelling as well yeah, of course. Um, so the focus of my research is investigating these ideas about loss of home through digital storytelling and immersive media in a co-creation setting. So co-creating these stories with people who have lived experiences of losing their home. Um, so I've been thinking about this uh, using digital storytelling. So in a lot of my research about homelessness, what I have found is that a lot of the literature it's quite entrenched and it's quite um, self-referential in terms of like 
we do research and then we do research based off of that research and it's very limited to the previous knowledge on homelessness. I think in the homelessness sector there has been a call for more empirical knowledge um, but I think with storytelling there is an opportunity to take empirical knowledge a little bit further in that I think the power of a story really is to tell us something unknown, is to tell us something you know, that we didn't know was there, that was perhaps a little bit hidden. And I think as well as like when communicating that to other people, I think we can do that with ourselves. Like I think the storyteller can discover something previously unknown through telling a story and through the way that they express it and the way that they show it. And so that's kind of where storytelling comes in for me. But digital storytelling, I think it's kind of undeniable that digital storytelling is just the way that we we're as a society increasingly documenting and sharing information and knowledge in different forms you know whether that's through social media or whether that's through filmmaking whether that's through you know uh various platforms and so and also when we think of archives as well archives are increasingly becoming digital so it seems like a natural progression to me <laughs> in that way um, focusing on the immersive side of it, though, I think the use of immersive digital storytelling is interesting in these contexts because of what Peter was saying about this, like, place, place-based storytelling and, you know, storying a place. Um, immersive media allows us to embody an experience and it, like, is immersed in a space and a place. But I think the reason why that's you know, an important thing to investigate when it comes to homelessness is because homelessness is defined by the places that it's enacted in. Uh, the experience of homelessness is very much dependent on the locality that you find yourself in through either whether that be administratively or legally, as homelessness laws often are very in interpreted, interpreted um, differently depending on different places and different councils but also the actual physicality of different spaces really determines the experience. And so that's something that I'm really interested in looking into. And yeah, so your question about co-creation, Zara. So I think kind of going back to storytelling, I think there is an argument that stories are always co-created <laughs> through the relationship between the teller and the listener and then how that story is passed on interpretation the interpretation of a story is a co-created process um so there is that but I think when it comes to telling the stories of um you know communities that perhaps have not had the opportunity to tell their story or whose voices have not been heard I think it kind of takes on a new importance co-creation and that reminds me Holly of the fact that stories were originally ways of sharing knowledge mm -hmm. or we were writing things down or able to find ways to record them um, and that was how ideas were passed on through generations so storytelling is pretty much the original knowledge sharing that we have and that's something interesting to come back to in academic research too um, and Peter I wondered if you could speak to the idea of as the meaning of home is partial and contingent in the same way that a story only reveals something that's a partial narrative or view as well, um, whether that's actual.
actual or imagined, either now or remembered? How then do stories convey lived experience authentically if we're accepting that it's only ever a small part of one story from one perspective as well? In terms of the home concept, this idea that actually it's an unknowable thing, it's almost indescribable as a thing, um, because everyone is one of those things that everyone has some kind of relationship to. And I mean, one of the interesting things when we were doing the project in Beirut was that home, as we use the word, doesn't exist there. There are multiple words for different kinds of home. There's like your family home, the place where you live, there's your country, there's these other, like your identity. So it's, it's much more nuanced as a language. And that's one of the things I think that's interesting with English is that there's this, you know, protective ambiguity within the actual language that you use. And this idea of home as, you know, I think, and Holly alluded to this, I think in the in in previous research is that it's very much focused on numbers and income and location and these kind of things. And it's not not so much it's not a human story at that point. Um, it's an economic story. Um, and that totally kind of well, it kind of eliminates the question of the, exactly what we're talking about, like what home means for people. How do people want to live and how is it important to recognize that different people live in different ways and actually, you know, like there's there's much more nuance within this conversation. Um, and part of that revealing that is through people sharing their stories about how they got to where they are. And this then becomes kind of hits right on the nail of, of where stories and narrative intersect. You know, like we're quite used to very used to uh, the news bulletin depiction of homelessness. You know, it's terrible, it's tragic. To some degree, it's probably your fault, you know. Um, but we're also kind of, and that's a very deliberate use of storytelling, you know, um, and that's a, it plays into a particular narrative which can be expressed in myriad different ways. On a kind of, social personal emotional level then the impact of that is to move from something that is affective to something that is effective you know it's something that made you feel something that actually made you act differently and that's kind of all of storytelling i think for me personally in relation to homelessness and lived experience that I think is a, a good thing that can be achieved through storytelling is that I think often in these circumstances when someone's been through a traumatic life event or they've found themselves in a situation such as homelessness um, when people ask about it they're often asking someone to tell them this is a phrase used a lot tell me about the worst day of your life or the worst thing that's ever happened to you and I think everybody the way that we see things in the media like we have a certain idea that the most real things are the most shocking or the most you know um like 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 I said the worst day of someone's life um so when you think of realism in movies often it's 
violence or it's you know those sorts of things but I think on a authentic everyday level that's not really how people's lives are lived and you know when something bad happens in your life um I think there's so many other things to it than just the the event in and of itself and I think that's kind of what storytelling is good at capturing all the other things that happen to a person um during these major life events another thing that I've been reading a lot about when it comes to storytelling is uh the idea of turning points and I think when it comes to something like homelessness research and public uh opinion and public ideas have an idea of what that turning point would be for someone you know their life falls into chaos or something because of something that we think but I think people might define that themselves very differently everybody's turning point for themselves might be a different thing from what the outside perception of that is and I think that's something that stories are very powerful in being able to capture So even when you have lost everything or you've lost your home in the case of what we're talking about, ownership of your own story is still your story. There's an element of control and autonomy, freedom in being able to tell your story. Um, And this brings me to something I think you mentioned previously, Holly, when you were saying stories are told. So is storytelling always constructed for an audience? And is that something that we're thinking about when we are telling stories? In which case, whose stories are missing? And whose stories should be should we be telling? The answer seems obvious in the way that it seems like it should be our own. Uh, because I guess there's this idea of we shouldn't be trying to tell other people's stories. But I think some of these things are less about trying to tell someone else's story and more trying to open it up so that they have the opportunities to tell their own story. And that question, I think, is, uh, well, what stories are we not hearing, you know, and what are the reasons for that? And I think that kind of ties into what you were saying, Sarah, about um, do stories have to have an intended audience when they're being told is that audience being thought of and I think that's something that I've been thinking a lot about recently especially because I think the stories that we do hear the lived experiences that we do hear of things like homelessness often are told for a reason they're told for a reason and advocating for something in particular or they're told in support of a fundraising organization or a supportive organization that's helped someone in particular And those stories, there's nothing wrong with those stories. Those stories are great. But I think that does affect the story. I think it does affect what you hear about that experience because the experience is in relation to that topic. And so I think that is like really an interesting thing to consider if we're trying to get authentic stories uh, from people and people to tell things that they perhaps, you know, didn't realise was part of their story. starts to kind of I think tie back into your co-creation side of things a bit Holly which is I, a, an approach that I've taken is collaboratively working with artists 
who are interested in, I suppose, like the soul of people. Like that's that's their interest really is like what makes humans tick. And it's not kind of, oh, I'm gonna tell people it's all about this. It's just I care and want to know about what you think and feel and what you've experienced. And that feeds through into the way that that's then shared to other people. Because it's not a, of course, it's a highly designed experience when you start sharing those things, but the design isn't intended to go, you should think this because these people said this. It's intended to go, here are some things, here are some examples of humanity talking about their experience. We can point out the kind of the point of connection or why we brought them together to do this. But actually, it's up to you to find those connections, find the patterns that are meaningful to you. And then we can talk about it. Because, you know, up until like, that's, that's the aim. If the aim is to go, we can think about this differently, encounter people differently, think about ourselves differently in response, potentially, or the context that we're inhabiting or the role that we have. Um, and then, you know, one of the things I, I quite like to say with with projects is, you know, if, if someone engages with it and then invites someone to the table that they wouldn't have done before because they encountered a different point of view or heard something differently, then, you know, that's really cool. And if that's the client, great. If that's the audience, great. Don't really mind. But actually, it's that kind of building connections, building networks of people who are communicating openly or not. One thing that I was kind of thinking about when Pete was just talking is, so there's this uh, article by Jerome Bruner. He's a, uh, He's written a lot about storytelling and it's called self-making and world-making and I think that's a really interesting thing and that kind of speaks to what we've been talking about like the idea of who are you telling the story for and what's the purpose and I think like it's got that dual purpose really and it's sort of like you know building up different versions of the self having that you know that flexibility to explore the self and also your own the way you perceive the world and so I think thinking of that both in terms of the person telling the story but in terms of the person hearing the story is quite an interesting thing in this regard and that idea of representation um is that the role uh Holly do you think of immersive storytelling and how how does immersive or interactive storytelling play in terms of situating homelessness in narratives in a particular place when we think of both that idea of sharing in someone's story? When I think about empathy, I think it is a feeling. But then I think once you've empathised with someone, you then make the choice to be able to empathise with other people as well. And then it becomes a skill. And so I think it's a lot of these things. And so therefore, I think the part that immersive media can play is that it, it does prompt that feeling, I think. It prompts that feeling. And that feeling, 
but I don't think it should end with that feeling. I think you have that feeling and then you decide to do the work or then you, you know, realise something that helps you to develop those feelings. And I also think that immersive media, like, it situates you in a place. And I think the way that that kind of works in terms of empathy is if we can think of inclusion. So if you think of an environment you're very familiar with, or the environment that you consider your community and your home, who do you include in that? And what experiences do you include in that? And this is kind of where I think immersive media can relate to heritage and local heritage, because I think it's a good way of expanding the way that we see our environments and who we see as being part of that. So that's the place that I think that it can hold this kind of, you know, expanding who we include in our visions of our immediate surroundings and what experiences we include because places and, you know, communities are, you know, they, they have stories attached to them and they have histories attached to them that we associate with those places whenever we're in them or whenever we think of them. And I think like expanding what that knowledge is for people could be quite powerful. In including homeless narratives as part of the story of a place, it's not just about the the worst thing someone's been through, but there's entire life stories there within that. And so it's about asking for contribution. That inclusiveness is not simply saying to people who have lived experiences of loss of home that you only want to hear about that experience, but actually instead it's a it's the understanding of stories moving us beyond focusing on, as I said, kind of that damage-centred narrative as well. Um, Peter, if I could bring you in on on that point, uh, is there then an inherent tension between, and it was touched on before, not always going to the most sensational because it really positions people as other and maybe if we have an experience that how people can get close to the that idea of how someone's lived through a, a traumatic experience, whereas actually it, we should be thinking about where that experience comes in within that life narrative of someone as well. I think the tension between extremes is rarely helpful. It's useful to be aware of, um, but actually it's the, the places where people are most similar and close to each other that tend to be the things that are most interesting to those people about each other but also the things that that really reinforce or build that sense of shared experience like the the you know but for the grace of whatever you know i could have been in that situation and i think there's there's something really powerful about that that tension of of what is immersive and other forms i suppose technologies how they transport that storytelling transport you into a storytelling world or transport that storytelling world and wrap it around you in the real world 
and being sensitive to how that how that impacts people and how that impacts the story because there's there's yeah there's some some we we're, we're very new at it as a as a, as a kind of as a species thinking about that impact and specifically to homelessness i w- wondered about the question of power and positionality as well um uh, we're privileged in terms of choosing the stories we tell and choosing the stories we listen to so where does immersive storytelling and homelessness intersect in that positionality we have and power thinking about the positionality of some of the participants in this sort of research using immersive media so my background so i used to work for a research center uh, the center of post-digital cultures at Coventry university i worked on a project called viral so virtual reality archive learning and part of that project was about making immersive technologies more accessible because immersive technologies more and more are becoming part of how we document the world and document you know heritage and history and if they're not accessible to a wider range of people then that is like you know the opposite of inclusion that's exclusion and i think thinking about these sorts of technologies like they can sound very you know off-putting or they can sound very like that's not for me that's very complicated and i think that's an issue uh, because why should it only be you know the people with the all of the resources that get to explore these things We end every episode of the podcast with a regular segment where I ask each guest the same question. What does home mean to you? Holly, what does home mean to you? So home to me is safety and being understood. And with those topics, I think they sound very broad and they sound very immaterial, but I think they really relate to all aspects of home to me. Feeling safe in my surroundings, feeling safe with the people I'm with, and feeling safe in a long-term sort of way. And then being understood, I think, is something we think about a lot in terms of our relationships with other people. And, you know, that makes me feel at home, feeling understood by the people I live with. But also, I think more broadly, feeling understood and acknowledged by my community at large and by, you know, the wider and forces that be. Yeah. Thank you, Holly. And finally, Peter, what does home mean to you? It used to be something that that I thought I kind of took with me because it was, you know, I always lived in other people's houses or or whatever. And was, I can feel at home anywhere. Like that's fine. In an impersonal way, home is the place where you share the code with everyone you know and that's that that brings feelings of safety and security of community and oneness um but i think home is something that yeah you have to keep building every every day um and it's easy to lose and hard to put your hands on 
That brings us to the end of this episode. We would like to thank our guests, Peter Gardam and Holly Turpin, for joining us and sharing their thoughts. For more information about our work, please visit meaningofhome.uk and follow us on Twitter at meaningofhomelu. And remember to share our podcast. And, of course, thank you all for listening to The Meaning of Home. This podcast was created by The Home CDT. It was hosted by Sarah Christou, produced and edited by Dave Angel, and the music is by the Angel Brothers. All ideas expressed in this podcast are those of the individual. The Meaning of Home is brought to you by doctoral researchers at Loughborough University. 